Hello, welcome to Chi Alpha. We are so excited you're here. Uh, we, sorry, I'm just trying to get situated. Somebody here is a lot taller than me. The stand is much higher than it normally is. Um, I am so excited you're here. My name is Catherine. If you do not know me, I am one of the pastors and directors here. My husband and I do this together, and we love it so much. We are so excited uh, that you are here, and maybe you are here for the first time, and maybe you love Jesus and he thinks the coolest thing ever. If so, welcome. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know about this Jesus guy. I don't know about you guys. Um, and you are still welcome here. We are so glad you are here to check us out, and we're excited to get to know you. Uh, but we're going to jump in. We have been in our series, God is blank, which means I am blank. And we've been talking through a lot of different ones. God is creator, which means I am created. God is infinitely good, which means I don't have to be in control. God is holy, which means I am fill in the blank for me because I don't remember who remembers I, I am not. I like that one. I don't think that's what it was. Anyone? Is that what it was? Oh, it is what it was. You were right. I thought you were being like sarcastic. God is holy, which means I am not. All of these, if any of these intrigue you, are on our podcast. You can go listen to our podcast. But we're going to take a break. So tonight, we're still going to talk about who God is. But we're taking a break from our series to have what we like to call an experience night. Because our relationship with Jesus Christ, our faith is not just sitting and listening and taking things in. We believe he wants to experience, um, he wants us to experience relationship with him. But I want to start with a story. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I was home with my three-year-old Gemma the other day. And somebody was with me. Um, I'm blanking on who it was, but I'm sure one of you is like, yeah, that was me. Um, and I could not find my phone. Yes, thank you. I knew somebody was going to be like, it was me. I could not find my phone, and Elsie was with me, and I was like, I really thought I left it on the table, but maybe I didn't. So I have a watch that I could summon my phone with, and I summon it, and I was like, where is that coming from? And so I like go into the living room. And then I go into the sunroom, and I was like, I know I did not leave it in this room. I know I didn't leave it here. So I'm like, where is that coming from? And I'm searching, and I hear it back in this corner, the corner of the room. We have, like, some drawers here. We have, a, like, a rocking chair and then, like, a big curtain. And I pull back the big curtain, and not only is my phone lying there, but Jeff's hat that he'd been missing for days was lying there, as well as some coasters and some of Juliet's Legos. And we realized that Gemma, our three-year-old, had been collecting things that she found from around the house and hiding them underneath this curtain. And had it not been for my phone, I think it would have been a really long time because these are really big curtains. So I was like, I can't reach it. And Gemma's like, oh, I'll get it for you and just like climbs into her little cubby and pulls them out. No idea why Gemma decided to do this. It fits her personality. If you know um, Encanto, she really likes Bruno, like the crazy guy who hides in the walls with a rat. So it makes sense that she's like hiding things behind the curtain. She's a great child. Get to know her. But we don't know why Gemma was hiding these things here. But I think we often find 
that when we hide things, it's often for two reasons, either to protect something or because we're afraid or ashamed of something. And we don't just do this with objects. We do this with ourselves. We hide parts of ourselves that feel vulnerable. We hide parts of ourselves that we want to protect or that we're ashamed of. We hide the parts of ourselves that we feel like are going to be rejected. We're afraid of rejection, so we hide parts of ourselves. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible of other people who felt this way. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3, starting verse 8. If you are not familiar with this story, we're right at the beginning of the Bible. God creates the world. He creates Adam and Eve. And then we come to Genesis chapter 3. And the story goes that Adam and Eve are in the garden. Life is perfect. And they're told not to eat from the fruit from a singular tree. There's so much here. We could spend so long talking about this and why, why fruit, why this, why all this stuff. But that's a conversation for another time. You can go look at an old podcast um, from QTOT, Questioning the Old Testament, Looking at Creation. It's awesome. But for now, Adam and Eve disobey God. They eat from the fruit. And then this is where we're going to pick up. Starting verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? It's kind of a heartbreaking passage. And there's a couple things to note here. At the beginning, we see that God and Adam would regularly walk in the garden in the cool of the evening. This was something they regularly did. And so God shows up to walk with Adam and Eve, and we see the Lord God calls to the man, where are you? And this question, where are you, if you look at it in the original Hebrew, This is not a question of, where are you? I don't know where you are. I've lost you. This is not a, like, I can't find my phone. Where is it? I can't find Adam and Eve. Where are they? This is not the kind of, where are you, it is. This question, where are you, instead is, where are you? You're not where you were supposed to be. God is essentially asking, like, yesterday you were with me. Today you're not. Where are you? And this shifts how we see this passage a little bit. And we find that Adam and Eve in this moment are hiding. They feel vulnerable. For the first time, they've realized their nakedness. So instead of being with God in the cool of the evening, they're hiding among the trees. They're hiding from the God who loves them and created them. For the first time, They are no longer willing to be fully open to their creation. Can you imagine the pain of this moment? They've enjoyed complete openness, complete intimacy with God. 
And now suddenly they feel this fear. We so often with this passage, we focus on the sin that entered the world at this moment, um, which is true and we need to look at. But there's more than that happening here. It's like when a close friend or family member absolutely betrays you. The broken relationship you feel, the deep brokenness you feel in that moment. But contrary to what we'd expect, it's not God who pulls away in this moment. God still comes to meet Adam and Eve. Instead, if it's Adam and Eve who hide, who cover up their nakedness. So now, for us, instead of walking and talking with God naked in a garden, we pray. And prayer is our way of having communion with God. I want to circle back really quickly. This idea, we just mentioned it, that God doesn't pull away in this moment. It's Adam and Eve who pull away. I also want to point out that in this moment, right as this is happening, God is already making a way to reconcile humans back to him. Because just a few verses later, we're in 8 through 11, in verse 16, God prophesies of the coming Messiah who's going to reconcile relationship between God and humans. And that's incredibly beautiful that just as this has happened, God's already got it in mind. But back to where we are now, we are no longer walking with God in a garden, completely vulnerable, completely secure. But God has given us a way to communicate, him and communicate with him, and that is called prayer. And if you've learned anything about prayer growing up, you probably learned that prayer is talking with God. Specifically, you've probably even heard the correction that prayer is talking with God and not to God because it's a two-way thing and because we talk to God and God also wants to talk back to us and we firmly believe that we can hear from God not in audible voices, but he finds other ways to speak to us because he knows us and he can speak to us. And all of this is true and hugely important to the element of prayer. But I want to suggest tonight that prayer is more than just talking with God. That prayer is more than talking with him and listening to him. David Benner, um, in his book, Opening to God, presents this idea that prayer is opening up ourselves to God. That it's more than a conversation, it's a state of being. That whatever we're doing whether it be reading the Bible or praying or walking or doing homework, that we are, have an open posture towards God. This idea that we let God come into our lives, being willing to be open and vulnerable to him and in front of him. He describes this as a loving encounter with God. And in some way mirroring the openness that Adam and Eve had with God. As we look at this nakedness, as we look at this vulnerability, we're no longer talking about a physical nakedness, but an emotional nakedness, a mental openness, a spiritual nakedness before God. This intimacy between us and God. 
that as he invites us to him, we in response open to him. And prayer is the work that God does in us. Prayer is not just us talking to God and listening to what he has to say or trying to figure out his will. That feels relatable, right? Like, I'm going to try and figure out what God's will is, so I'm going to sit down and pray, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to read the Bible, and hopefully he speaks to me. So often, that's what this looks like for us. But prayer is so much more than that. As he draws us in, we open ourselves to him and let him work in us. And this goes against our gut. Maybe some of you are sitting here like squirming. But this goes against our gut because like Adam and Eve, when they realized they were naked in the garden, we recoil at this idea. We recoil at being vulnerable before God. Like Adam and Eve, we want to hide. We want to hide our nakedness, our vulnerability, our shame. And we know he knows. We know he's all-knowing. We know he knows what's happening. But to open it up to him is different. David Benner says, we are invited to turn up just as we are. We're invited before God just as we are. And as we will see, there's nothing special that we need to do other than be ourselves. However, preparation is helpful because being ourselves with God is much harder than we may think. That's what God wants. That's what prayer is, showing up to God just as you are right now. And yet somehow that's terrifying. To open up to God, to invite him into our lives, our souls, to see what he wants to do. And like any intimate relationship, whether it's between um, spouses, whether it's between friends or parents and children, whatever it is, any intimate relationship, there are times when you talk and you listen and you laugh and you cry together. But there are times where you just simply are, where you simply sit together in silence. And there are times where as you sit in silence, you get nothing out of the experience except for maybe a deeper connection with who that person is. And that is prayer, opening ourselves to God, our nakedness, our vulnerable places, and simply letting him in. I have a quote on the screen that I want to read. This is also from David Benner in Opening to God. Prayer involves surrender to a mysterious inner process. Submitting to something that God does in us. If we trust enough to let go, God will give us a gift of prayer communion that we could never create or imagine. This is why we sometimes speak of prayer as Christ praying in us or as the Spirit making intercession for us. As the Australian Caesarean monk Michael Cassay reminds us, prayer cannot be measured on a scale of success or failure because it is God's work in us, and God always succeeds. When we believe that we have failed at prayer, it is because we decided what shape our prayer should have and are now frustrated that there is nothing we can do to implement our ambitions. Prayer is nothing more or less than the interior action of the Trinity at the level of being. This we cannot control. We can only reverently submit. Prayer cannot be measured as success or failure 
because it's God doing the work, and he cannot fail. And I love that line, if we think we have failed, it's because we decided what prayer should look like, and we can't force God to do what he doesn't want to do. It's because we've decided what this time, we've decided what we want to get from God, and we can't force his hand. Prayer cannot be measured on a, on a scale of success or failure because it's God's work and God always succeeds. So tonight, Jeff's going to put on some music in the background, but we, wanna, we want to open up to God. We want to open up to God. And so I want to ask, what are the areas that he's asking you to open up in? What are the areas he wants to come into? The areas he wants you to let go of control? I want to encourage you to be yourself in front of him tonight. Let him see all of you. Invite him into all of you. And with that, I think it's so important that we remember how much he loves us. We've, this has come up all throughout, um, but the one fresh in my mind is God is creator. He loves you. He created you. He loves you. He knows you and loves you in a way only a creator can love the created. There's no deeper knowing than the way an artist knows their art. And in the same way, no one can know you as deeply as God does. And I think that needs to be our foundation because if we don't know that God loves us, then of course we can't open up to us, open up to him. So maybe right now what God wants to do is remind you of his love for him. I think another question worth asking is how can we pause before him? How can we pause before him and see what he wants to do in our time of prayer? I think it's really easy for us to get stressed by prayer, and it's easy to hear that prayer can't be measured on a scale of success or failure, um, but it doesn't always feel that way. But I think it's important to remember that prayer is a natural language of the soul. Our soul wants to talk to its creator, and sometimes we get lost and confused. But Jesus longs to show us what that looks like to us. We all have natural ways of connecting with God. Maybe it's silence, maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's worship. But he longs to talk with us. And only when we give up who we think God is and what we think that time should look like only when we give up fashioning God in our image and seeking God where we think God should be, only then will we truly perceive the Christ who stands in our midst. So we want to look at how to do this practically, what this looks like. There's so many different areas we could jump into. Um, but practically, we have some things as we Take some time to reflect. This is what it can practically look like to open up to God. First, putting aside our expectations of what it should look like or what God wants to do. Let God worry about that. Even if after this time of reflection you feel like nothing's been done, don't, don't judge that. Don't judge yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. 
let God do what he wants to do. Even if you walk away feeling like, I, I don't know what happened, he clearly did nothing. God is always doing things, even when we don't see it. I think the second thing is remembering his unconditional love for us. Even as we open up those vulnerable areas, even as we open up those areas that we are afraid to acknowledge, he loves us. And I would ask you to be honest with him about where you are. Be honest about where you are before him. Maybe that means maybe that means telling him your doubts, telling him your concerns, telling him you don't know what you believe. That's what he wants. He just wants our honesty. And then invite him in. Ask God how he wants to show up tonight. And then lastly, sit with him. Sit with him. See what he wants to do. So we're going to put on some music. Um, the worship team will be up in a few minutes to play another couple songs. But right now we want to take some time to sit and see what he wants to do. Jesus, I thank you that prayer is not just us talking to you and not based on what we do or say or getting the right words, but that prayer is the work you want to do in us. That prayer is what you guys want to do, what you, Lord, want to do in us. Tonight we pray that you will uh, show yourself to us, meet us, wherever people are, whether they are afraid to open up, whether they need to know your deep love for them, that as we sit and invite you in, that you will meet us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.